I'm Danielle West. Welcome to Intentional Marriages Podcast, where we share vulnerable insights about marriage. I recently did my first Instagram Live with Sandy Viteri of Viteri Vibes Marketing. We discussed how to manage your marriage during moments of global crisis. There have been good moments and difficult moments of us all being confined to our homes. And ideally, we want to come out of this crisis not only married, but happily married. On this podcast, we'll discuss some relationship coping skills to help you during this time. Take a listen. I'm going to be interviewing today Danielle West, and she is a marriage expert. <laughs> we all know we need that right this second because of the times that we're going through. I'll give you a little bit of a brief. Danielle and I actually met about, I would say like 10 or so years ago in Greece. Uh, both of our husbands used to work together. And uh, here we are now. It's like our, our path crossed again. So Danielle, thank yeah, you I love so much it. for joining me. This is a pleasure and it's an honor to have you here today. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's been great to reconnect with you. Yes, yes. All right. So our audience has been already prepped about the topic that we're going to be talking about. Now, you are a marriage coach. Do you call it a coach officially? Uh, we, we prefer to use the word mentor. mentor. Okay. Is there a difference between coach and mentor? Just for clarity. I think a big difference because from a mentor, we, we, we share from a, an experience mm -hmm. point of view versus a, um, we're not certified counselors. So we're just sharing how we survived <laughs> some of the hard life lessons that we've gone through in there. Incredible. Because actually it comes from your own experiences, right? Beautiful. Correct. All right. So let's just dig in. So the very first question actually is for you personally, before we start giving people advice, but how do you get into becoming a marriage mentor? Well, I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know that I was almost practically in training. About seven years ago, Russ and I started leading and facilitating uh, a marriage curriculum that was designed by our North Point Community Church. And what we were doing was following a, a curriculum, but we also had been in counseling for the life of our marriage. We started in counseling even before we got married. So it's been now 17 years and we have gone approximately once a month. Now, we didn't start out proactively going, oh, we need to go to counseling. We started out in fear. Yeah. <laughs> fear like of most getting people, married. right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Fear of getting married, fear of, you know, not doing it right, fear of ultimately not making it. So over time, and I was so embarrassed to go to counseling, like that was the last thing that I wanted to tell anybody. And then eventually it started to work mm -hmm. and I had never done the, the type of work that Russ and I were doing. And we addressed family of origin issues and communication issues. And then things started to get easier in our marriage. And so fast forward to leading these um, marriage groups, they're comprised of five to six couples and we would do it twice a year and they last for about eight weeks. We started sharing not only the curriculum, but the lessons we learned from counseling. And we started to see transformations. So we're like, this stuff not only helped us, this is really helping other couples. 
And the biggest thing, and maybe it's because Russ and I were so stubborn, <laughs> but it took us years, decades to, to, you know, finally put the lessons into use. And so our hope is that we can pay forward our pain, our hard lessons, and turn decades into days for people. That is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I mean, come on, we're, we're going to be 100% honest here. And that is exactly the reason why we're having this conversation. We all know that marriage is not easy, but if it was easy, it would not be worth it, right? So I think that exactly. everybody will pretty much agree with that. But it's also like exercising, right? Like going to the gym, if you want a six pack, you got to exercise and you got to put in the work. If you want to keep a happy marriage, you got to work on it. So I think a lot of it is the misperception uh, or understanding of what a marriage is and how it should function. I think a lot of people go into the marriage already thinking, oh, it's a beautiful thing because we've been dating and it's going to stay like that forever. But reality is there is ups and downs and things change over time, right? And, and that is exactly what we're going to be digging in today. Now, you touched a point about... Um, most people that ended up going on to um, getting marriage counseling, they do it from a place of fear, right? Because either you are already struggling or you are afraid of actually take, going into the deep end of getting married. Um, yeah. So what are your thoughts about um, or a recommendation for people that should go and be proactive and do it ahead of time and not wait for those moments where you're already struggling Right. Excellent. Excellent point. And I think it's because the stigma has of counseling has prevented so many of us from going because people usually go to counseling only if they're in trouble. Mm -hmm. And so they don't want to identify with counseling as being something that's proactive. But the thing that 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 is so um, distressing is that we see the need to have a personal trainer for our fitness needs. We hire a tax accountant to help us with our taxes why wouldn't we hire somebody to help mediate yes. our relationship, the most important thing in our marriage, yeah. in our families, right? And so I had to, I had to go through that thought process of getting over the stigma, yes. <laughs> watching people do eye rolls, like you go that often, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and, and, and yet now seeing the proactiveness yeah. is, the tools, I, I think people grow up in families and our parents do their best, mm -hmm. right? And they modeled what their parents modeled, but not every parent can teach you exactly all the tools that a professional can. So true. And so that's basically what we've, what we've done is we've gone to school to learn how to do relationships mm -hmm. and earlier you mentioned, you know, we think, oh, we're going to get married and love will save the day. Mm -hmm. And we really think that if I love my spouse and I, I, when I got married, I really thought love will, will carry us, mm -hmm. right. We'll be, we'll be that different couple that'll overcome any objection, right. We're in this together. Yeah. <laughs> and then after our first fight and I stopped talking to Russ for three days, <laughs> there's something you know, about the three day period, right. <laughs> we'll get into it in a minute. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to take a while for us to work through yeah. how to communicate again. So, yeah, it 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 was I we had to learn the hard way. Yeah, yeah. Well, and definitely, I mean, it, just learning that being proactive is definitely going to help you in your marriage in the long way. I actually learned that on the hard way 
just like you. Like I realized or we realized that we needed to get some counseling. And actually it's wonderful. It's, it's an escape. It's having a third person that is unbiased, that is not actually on his side or my side, but it's actually looking at it from an external perspective. So it's extremely helpful. Now, um, what would you say is the right frequency that somebody that has decided, okay, yes, I need to go see a marriage counselor, that that is the right, you know, time frame or the right frequency that they should be looking at? I guess that may change and vary depending on the situation and the individuals, but is there like the secret, you know, combination or something like that? No, that's a great question because what comes to mind for most people immediately is even if they're willing to go to counseling, they're like, either I don't have the time or I don't have the money. And usually money's the biggest um, obstacle to overcome. And so I, I position it like this, go at least four times a year, because here's the thing, when you do run into a situation, the last thing you want to do is go into counseling and say, hi, my name is Danielle and spend an expense, you know, something that could be very expensive, the first half hour introducing yourself. Mm -hmm. When you have a crisis, you want to be able to go in and talk immediately and have that counselor know who you are, know that you already have that chemistry. So I would say at a minimum, go four times a year. And because of our current situation, what has really been um, great to see is that there's a lot of telecounseling going on. So they can still have a an appointment online mm-hmm. with your phone and be able to still talk to a counselor. So that, that part's really helpful right now. I would say that when money is an issue, look at if you're at a point of crisis, you know, going through the difficulties of um, overcoming a, a situation, it's more expensive to go through a divorce than to go through counseling. Mm. And I think wow. it's hard to justify that up front. Right. And so I say at least go four times a year. Now, if money is absolutely hard and right now, who knows where a lot of us are going to be impacted after this is seek out marriage mentors, Mm -hmm. seek out somebody that's five to 10 years ahead of you that has a family that you would like to emulate how their kids, what they're doing, how the relationship is with that spouse and seek them out and ask for their advice. And it's more than just saying, hey, how do we do marriage well? Come with very specific questions because if you're seeking out a mentor that is doing it well, they're most likely busy themselves. And what I have found helpful is going to our own personal mentors with a list of questions saying, how do you do this? Yeah, very, very good. Now, you actually gave a really good example, which is, you know, if you're willing uh, to pay a personal trainer to go get in shape, why not pay a mentor to help you actually get your marriage back on track? I think it's definitely worth it. So so that it was a really, really good example. And definitely, I mean, four times a year, at a minimum, I mean, just think about how much is that going to cost versus, like you said, a divorce, right? right. Now, um, right now, we're going through a very difficult global time, right? We cannot ignore it. It's happening. And we're finding that, obviously, I mean, you as husband and wife both live in the same house and share the same space, but typically, you either you know, go out or travel 
for work or you have to go into an office. So right now in these moments, we're finding that we're all confined into very small spaces. What are your recommendations for people to actually survive? Because we just have to call it for what it is, to survive living at home, sharing and being on top of each other every day, 24-7. And not pulling your hair out. <laughs> exactly. So why don't you recommend me? Because I need uh, those tips. <laughs> uh, it's, it, it is hard. We're going through such a period of adjustment. And for Russ and I, we're empty nesters. So we're, we're not burdened with what some of these parents with little ones having to do yes. online schooling and still do their job and keep the kids occupied and stay married exactly. <laughs> throughout this whole thing. And it's, it's, you know, if I'm going to summarize an easy answer, it's one of the values in our name is intentional, being intentional. And Dr. Gottman is a renowned psychologist who has studied 3000 couples over the last 40 years. And although we think that we have to do these big grand gestures, he says doing small intentional things with each other outweigh the big isolated extravagant gestures and those are the things that those are the things that keep us connected so it's it's during this time it's important to keep talking how are you doing although on the surface you may be like taking care of the kids taking care of the house trying to come up with some structure in your household yet your spouse may be really struggling or may feel Mm -hmm. lonely it's really just checking in saying hey how are you doing you know, what can I do today to make this easier for you? And so being intentional is really the, if, if I'm going to give you a simple answer, of course, there's many, many things that we can do. No, but I love that one, obviously, because it's so easy. I mean, you just go by your day and, you know, now you're getting into a routine and you have the stress of what is happening globally. You have your own personal stress and it's just so easy to forget to be intentional. So having that word actually... We should get a tattoo somewhere. It's like the good reminder. And, and, the, and, and having structure, because that's the biggest thing that we miss right now, right? Everything's just kind of moved. We don't even know what day it is. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> we're just moving from day to night. And so the one thing that we do that where we're intentional that I love is around 5.30, Russ and I will go on a two-hour walk. Mm. It ends the day. It gives us time away from our screens. It gives us time to reconnect. Hey, how are you doing? I love how my our daughter does happy hour mm-hmm. on Zoom with her girlfriends <laughs> yeah, at five two. Yeah. It's it's a way to stop the day and give you some structure and move into the evening. So I think just being intentional with some kind of structure. I you know I think it's hard when everybody's on top of each other, but just trying to have some lines of delineation throughout the day and evening. Right, right. Now, a lot of people obviously are talking about social distancing and that applies for anybody outside of your four walls. You cannot have social distancing with your husband and your children. You got to continue your everyday life. You got to cook, you got to get made the bed, you got to work and all those things. So, you know, it sounds great at the end of the day to go for a two hour walk. But how do you go about establishing some boundaries? So during the day, during the time that you're sharing the same space, there is respect and there is space actually in between the individuals in the house. Like I used to long time ago when I remember when I had my son used to say, I need me time because my son was just growing up and I had no time to do my nails, not even to go to the bathroom. 
Um, and yeah. I kind of forgot about that. But now that I'm talking to you about this, I'm thinking, well, maybe have established working hours where you say from this time to this time, we don't see each other. We don't talk to each other. Pretend like we are outside in an office. What other recommendations would you give to everyone so you don't feel suffocated? You don't feel like you're on top of yeah. each other. Right. Because some people are going to be extroverts. Some are yeah. going to be introverts and some need to be disconnected and some right. need to be overconnected. Right. Yeah. And so this is where um, the three values that are important to us as intentional marriages is being intentional, transparency and vulnerability. And vulnerability is one of the hardest things I think to stay open to, um, especially when you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, is to remain vulnerable. And what you're talking about is asking for what you need. And I think sometimes when we're frustrated or we're just on top of each other, we have a tendency to kind of bark at what we need. But we bark in terms of attacking our spouse instead of asking for what we need. So instead of saying, you know, you, you know, I'm constantly cleaning up the kitchen, you never help me. Well, it could be, you know what, I had a long day trying to shuffle between the kids and trying to keep the house looking decent. Could you help me tonight? I'm exhausted. And so there's this level of vulnerability where you're expressing a need Mm -hmm. and hearing why you're asking for it. Because a personal, I'm a personalizer. So let's say Russ asked for some time apart. I'd be like, why, what did I do wrong? <laughs> yeah, it's so typical. I mean, we tend when to in do fact, that. he's like, I just need to, you know, watch a movie. Right. I just need to check out. I've had a hard day at work. I just need to check out and watch a movie, mm-hmm. you know, share what you need instead of saying, Hey, I'll see you later. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And so it's being very vulnerable and open. Nice. And being vulnerable and open in a sweet way to each other. Right. Like you're saying, be intentional about how you're communicating with each other, how you're asking for that thing that you need at that given moment, I would say. Now, how about if you go and you are vulnerable, like you said, and you ask for what you need, but in return, you get that part. So at this point, you're not the one barking at the other person saying, I need this, but the, you ask in a nice way. And then the other person barks at you I and you're know. like, what just happened? I mean, well, I, I need it like, with somebody to back. do the dishes or something. Right. Because if that happened to me, I am not being vulnerable again. I'm like, <laughs> I'm telling you, forget, yeah. forget that. Yeah, right. So what, what did you recommend um, in those cases? So again, I refer to Dr. Gottman because he just is a fantastic um, resource. And don't let me forget to um, mention a fun app um, that was designed by him for couples. All right. So now um, that you mentioned that for everyone that is watching right now, if you stayed until the end, she will share with us the app. So stay tuned and stay until the end. <laughs> so, so to, okay. So how do you be vulnerable when there's the possibility of getting barked mm-hmm. out? And what Dr. Gottman um, calls this is a softened startup. Mm. So for example, if I don't use a softened startup with Russ, I could go to him and say, um, we just got a bill for $500 and we have to pay it today. Immediately he will, you know, just kind of blow up. Right. But if I go to him and I say, Hey, I've got something really difficult to share with you. I'm a bit nervous to share it. I need your help in this. Immediately he switches Hmm. and he's like, wow, how can I help you? 
So in the same way that we're talking about even something more vulnerable than a bill is our feelings is, is to come first and say, Hey, I have to share something that's hard with you and I'm nervous to bring it up. Mm -hmm. And that you would hope is going to invoke some feeling on their part of, wow, you know, she's coming at this. So right. And, and that it does. And it, it's been fantastic for Russ and I. So whenever we have something hard, or for me, being vulnerable is hard. I'm an independent person. I don't need any, I don't need anybody. <laughs> right. And so being vulnerable is risky, right? Because it feels weak to us, right. but it's seen as courage to others. So when you can, if you can share how hard it is before what you're about to bring up, mm-hmm. I think it kind of, and like it, like the phrase says, it softens the startup. And it's so interesting that you're saying is kind of like asking for the other person's help, but we type A type of women, like we are, we do have a hard time saying, I need your help, right? Um, Because we're independent, but um, so on that scenario, right, where you're asking for help, do you think that it's a little bit of that? Uh, men are from Mars and and the women are from Venus and we just need to really learn like the love languages like how to communicate so when we say something the other person interprets in a way that is actually helpful to us you brought up such a great point because it's about Mm self-awareness and we have a lot of self-assessment tests that we recommend Um, what's really popular right now is the Enneagram knowing your number, knowing the motivations of your spouse. Um, there's the temperament colors. There's um, a test that we have loved that was done by Intimate Encounters where it teaches you if you're a magnifier, a minimizer, a personalizer. And then when you understand your partner's filters, mm-hmm. you can approach it differently. So Russ is a magnifier and I'm a personalizer. Oh, wow. <laughs> a dangerous combination to have together, right? Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know what they each mean. And actually, now that you mentioned this, for everyone that joined, I think what I'm definitely going to do after this, Danielle, if you can actually shoot me an email with the name of those tests, because I'm sure like those are beneficial. I mean, if are they online? Yes, I can. I can. I'll give you all the links. Okay. Okay. So you were saying you are a magnifier, or, or uh, Ross is a magnifier. Russ is the magnifier and I'm a personalizer. So because I understand that if I approach him with something and he has a magnified reaction, I used to, because he'll say like, we're never going to do that again. Uh And I'm like, wait, what? No, not never. Like I just brought it up to discuss. What do you mean never? And what I've learned is once he calms, because he got flooded, he got emotionally flooded over what I had just said. Mm-hmm. What I've learned is over time is that he'll calm down and we'll compromise and come up with a, a compromise solution. Mm-hmm. But because now I understand that's his first go-to, I don't, I don't participate. I just listen. Mm. I listen to him magnify wow. and I know, okay, once he calms down, <laughs> we can compromise and, and have a, a an answer that we both can agree with. Uh, I'm still taking so this under- test. <laughs> <laughs> so it helps to be self-aware right. of how, your core motivations. What filter do you see through? And we we do have negative, faulty thinking mm-hmm. that we have a tendency to see through. Personalizing for me is I always think it's my fault. If he complains about how the landscapers did something, 
I think it's on me. I need to fix it. Mm. And it's just how my brain is wired. Right. And it's not necessarily my fault right. all the time. And, and that can, as a personalized, as him married to a personalizer, it can be draining for him. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's helpful to understand your filters. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess when you don't really understand each other at that level, then you feel right. like the other person is actually sucking out the air from you or the energy yeah. and, and kind of like learning how to navigate the relationship. And it actually, something comes to mind now that you're talking about. It's almost like when you hire a dog trainer and I'm not saying that marriage mentors are dog trainers at all, but this is the first thing that just came to mind that you don't really train the dog. You train the owner. So basically what I'm thinking and what I'm hearing here is that by taking this test, by working on your marriage, by going to counselors or mentors, basically you're training yourself not only to know yourself better and how to react and be a better person for the other person, but also you're learning what their needs are, how to communicate with them. So just like a owner of a dog, then you can literally have a better relationship with your I'm not calling the husband a dog, but with your husband, because in return, (laughs) right, go to the dog house, (laughs) right? But but just that correlation of really the one that needs to be trained is you. And that to me reminds me of um, taking responsibility, taking responsibility of your actions and taking responsibilities of how you react to what is happening in your marriage. So you're not only taking that position where you're blaming the other person all the time, but you could perhaps take the time to understand what, what did I say? What could I have said better? And how could this ended up being a better outcome? Excellent, excellent point. I, I couldn't say it any better, but with the dog, just stick with the dog example. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. I just, I love dogs. What can I tell you? <laughs> Is is it's so true. We think it's the dog's fault, yet we're the one that's, you know, walking them and they're the ones, you know, we're the ones that are frustrating them. And what's so hard to see in a marriage is our own responsibility of our own actions. Mm -hmm. And what's what I hear sometimes, because I mostly work with women and Russ works mostly with the men, is that the, the wife will say, well, my husband doesn't, he won't open up and he won't talk to me. And the interesting part is when you really dig down is, well, how are you talking to him? If he's not feeling emotionally safe to open up, is there a tone? Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you every single time I have a tone with Russ, I don't hear it. Mm-hmm. He points it out to me, <laughs> but I don't hear it. And so these self-assessments, a counselor, and if you have a trusted mentor, these things can help you see what your what your role is. Mm-hmm. Just like you were saying, what is your role in the relationship? Mm-hmm. Because it's so easy to point the finger. Yes, yes, I totally agree. Now, you just said, actually, that you both are now mentors. It's not only you that decided to go on through this path or, you know, following this path. So, And tell me, how does that work for you guys? Do you both work together with marriages to help them see the two different perspectives? Or like you said, like you work mostly with women and he works mostly with men. How how does that work? So Russ was married before. And when he went through his divorce, he ended up doing it in such a unique way that it allowed him to 
remain friends with his former wife. It allowed me and her to have a good relationship. Mm -hmm. It allowed us to move into the same neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So what people have learned from Russ's walk is that they send men to him that have gone through divorce. And unfortunately, it's such a, um, it's such a stressful time. It's hard to think clearly. And so Russ will mentor them through that journey mm-hmm. of how to end up differently on the other side. If the, if the divorce is, it, it can't be prevented, then he helps them have the most healthiest relationship with their former spouse and if the kids are involved. Mm-hmm. So Russ had been doing that for years. And while that's happening, we're going to counseling all those years. So since 2002, we've been going to counseling. Russ had been doing this since 2002 with men. And then when we started getting into the marriage groups um, in 2012, we started sharing all the counseling lessons we had learned. Mm. And when these groups ended, so it's an eight-week group, some of these couples either had never experienced sharing in that type of environment with other couples Some of them haven't had that container of trust to be able to share. Yes, we fight in our marriage and, you know, how do we recover from our fights? That at the end of the eight weeks, these couples are like, well, we're we're never going to end, right? Like (laughs) we always need to stay together. And initially we tried to stay together, but over time our bandwidth got smaller and smaller because we're doing this twice a year. So you're looking at 12 couples a year we couldn't maintain a bandwidth of, you know, doing one-on-ones with them. So it was actually Russ's idea. He's, mm. he's more open and I'm the one that's more private. Wow. And so he's like, well, let's put a website together and have these couples continue with us, but continue online with us. And I'm like, okay, so what you're asking is to put our marriage junk on the World Wide web. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, and so... Sandy, I actually had our blogs locked down that you had to pay $5 to read them. Oh my God. And Russ is like, no one's reading them. And I'm like, good. Because <laughs> I was so private and nervous too. But what, right. what's helped me finally kind of peel back all those onion layers is these couples in these groups were seeing transformation. Mm-hmm. And so that transformation, I thought, this is no longer for me to hold on to. I need to be very open and share it with others because if we can pay forward our pain to others and kind of shorten that curve of learning and not be as stubborn as us, (laughs) (laughs) I want to, I want to help free up other couples. And so that's how, that's how it all started. So we were kind of, I was mentoring women, Mm -hmm. not necessarily in marriage, but I was mentoring women for seven years. So this just kind of morphed and slowly came together where we ended up doing intentional marriages together, which started in October, 2015. Wow. What a path. And the most amazing thing here is that you guys, you're doing it together. And I can tell that you're speaking from the heart. I mean, obviously you have your hardships and, you know, it's unfortunately that you have to go through what you went through to be able to come to this point. But I think, you know, for the way that you're speaking, basically it's just almost like you found your purpose and you're doing something that you're really loving and passionate about by helping others. Yeah. 
Yeah, because it's the tools. Like I, I didn't realize it's just simple tools to apply that can make such a difference. Yeah. And I, I thought it would have to be like grandiose, you know, things. And when you learn these simple tools, it really does get easier and easier. But I think the fear of sharing that, you know, you had a fight, you know, we have this mm -hmm. image that we want to seem like everything's okay. And I, my, I have such a heart for newlyweds because if they have a fight that first year, shoot, who are they going to tell? Know. You know, yeah. They just got married and, and yet it's so normal to have. And I think for some people, it's a red flag when they say, oh, we don't fight because that means, and it did mean for us that somebody's walking on eggshells. Mm -hmm. And so I say, you know what, have conflict, talk things out, but it's the repair that is so important. Yes. That's where the magic of all of this is, is on how you repair. And you actually, this is an excellent um, way to just go into the next topic because I've been dying to ask you about that repair. Like, what are some of the techniques? Because a lot of us, and actually Dr. Joe Dispenza says that, you know, when you have a moment when you feel mad about something or with your partner, and then you just react as opposed to try to understand what is happening, that it could be considered a temper tantrum. okay? So you're reacting and you're not... But then when it goes one day, two days, now it becomes your personality. When it becomes, you know, you're mad for a week, now that's, that's just who you are. So really, how would you recommend that once you have had a fight, right, or an argument or a disagreement, whatever way you want to call it, how can you um, actually repair whatever damage that has happened, but the fastest way possible? Because the less amount of time that you spend in that mode, um, yeah. the better off everybody's going to be. Right, right. So I'm going to share two things here. Um, to answer your question, it's a three-step process. Okay. It's mirroring, validate, and empathize. What was the first one? Mirror, mirror, yeah. what, mirror what's happened. Mm -hmm. Validate their feelings mm -hmm. and empathize. Okay. All right. Let's go into, let me, let's go into each. I want to hear more about okay, it. Okay. But wait, let me, let me back up just one be right before that happens. Okay. I want, I love the science of what I've learned in counseling and when you understand your body, you can actually understand what you're going through. So what happens when we've had that bark and that fight is our brain literally goes back to our amygdala. So we're in our prefrontal cortex when we're calm and loving, but the minute something happens, it switches back to our amygdala. So now we're ready to fight, flight, or freeze. Mm -hmm. So we have different tendencies on how to survive that fight. Is that when you go then right? on the defensive mode as opposed to trying to exactly. repair? Yeah. Exactly. So now you're stuck back here and it biologically takes you 20 minutes to calm down. Wow. So it's important that if you're in the middle of a fight, stop. I'll be back. I'm if going for a walk. <laughs> But what's really important, because I'm the one that says, hey, I'm out of here, right. is it's important for people who shut down to come back to the conversation. But it literally takes 20 minutes for, those, for that cortisol, for that epinephrine, for that adrenaline to calm back down and for your amygdala to go back to your prefrontal cortex. Wow. Now you can have a calm conversation. But anytime you're in the middle of a fight, what Russ and I do is yeah. time out. So time out. Don't stay in the conversation, but you have to agree ahead of time. We're going to take a moment 
to spend our 20 minutes. And that 20 minutes is not looping about the fight. It's self-soothing. It's taking a walk. It's watching a TV show, something to check out and calm your system down. But then you, do you recommend coming back after the 20 minutes, like actually clock it and say, okay, we got to resolve this because we're not just going to let it. When the counselor said it, I, yeah, I timed it. I literally, I was like, this is not for real. I'm going to be just as mad in 20 minutes. And, and I, he was right there. You cannot be as mad because it's a biological situation. It's used to protect us, wow. right? But we're not running away from a tiger. We're running away from our husband, <laughs> right? He's the same thing. So, <laughs> so the time out and waiting 20 minutes, it's just like what our parents used to say, count to 10, yeah. but really it's count 20 minutes. <laughs> wow. I love yeah. this. Okay, guys. Okay, so use really your time helpful. out. Yeah. But then, okay, so let's go to the mirror, okay, validate yes. and empathize. So what you want to do is, okay, I'm going to mirror what just happened. So let's say we're at dinner and Russ has had a really intense day with work. He's been talking nonstop. I've had a quiet day. I'm feeling kind of lonely. So at dinner, we're sitting there and I go, um, so honey, how was your day? And he's, the last thing he wants to do is talk, right? right. He just wants to relax. Right. So he barks at me. Right. And I bark back at him. And now all of a sudden we're like, how did we get here? Mm -hmm. we're, like we're the, we want to come together and connect, but we're not connecting what just happened. So you, when you do this mirror, validate and empathize, I'm going to mirror what just happened. Like I'm going to mirror the fact that he, you know, he seemed a bit distant. I wanted to connect. It was a bid for connection. And, and so when I mirror what I saw, he validates. Mm -hmm. He goes, yeah, I can see how you were trying to connect and wanted to talk. And I've had a really hard day and this has been difficult. And I feel so comfortable and safe with you. I wanted to come to dinner and just be quiet. And then he can say, I see how lonely you've been today because you wanted to connect. Lonely is a hard word to use mm -hmm. because you know we're proud and well, I'm not lonely. <laughs> I don't need you. But that's, again, a, another reason why we need to remain transparent and vulnerable. Right, right. And then the empathy is basically, even if you don't, like, here, here's the part of the argument that's so tough for people, is we, we say that they're going to be, um, he wasn't purposely ignoring me at dinner, mm -hmm. right? But he can empathize with my hurt, right? So... Although I'm saying you're ignoring me, he's like, you know, I can see how you thought I was. Yeah, so he's empathizing, yes. Right. <clears throat> That's different. And so he doesn't have to admit, yes, I was ignoring you. That's why we fight. Mm -hmm. But the empathy allows us to say, I can see how you felt that way. You know what? Your shoulder, you know, my shoulders drop and I'm like, oh, I'm not as combative mm -hmm. and defensive. And it allows him to come, you know, come into my world and me to enter his. So right. how was your day? What was, what happened during your day? And now I understand, wow, you've had a rough day with, you know, phone call after phone call of problems. Right, right. So, but those three, right, to me, you know, almost takes a lot of self-awareness, right? Yeah, it does. So again, it's like you're training the owner of the dog. You're not training the dog. So it's a lot of that person, like 
becoming aware of, okay, I, I am on this position with my husband. He's right now shut down because he hasn't unplugged yet. Um, he's not, you know, against me, but it takes a lot of self-awareness at that point in time to say, okay, I'm going to mirror this situation. I'm going to understand it. And this is how I'm going to approach it. So I don't get hurt. Right. Um, so that is where I see, you know, coaches counseling in all these uh, processes with working with someone that become really helpful because only is that you become aware that you actually need that help and start looking for it, then things are not going to change. You know, reality is right. like and things are going to stay the way they are. Right. And there's a very popular counselor who takes the card off the refrigerator mm-hmm. to go through the steps. And when it feels formulaic, I used to really push back and I'm like, you're telling me this step-by-step process is going to help me reconnect with my spouse. Like it feels odd and awkward. And one of the best connection points that Russ and I had was we went to a Gottman conference Mm -hmm. where they literally took you step-by-step on how to reconnect after a fight. And it was one of those moments and you have several of these where you're on a mountaintop experience, like you, you're, you're so connected that you never want to lose that moment wow. again. But it's because we use the repair process. And what I'll do is I'll include that in the oh, email beautiful. I sent to you. Okay. Yeah. And on the, because it is a very detailed step-by-step, mm-hmm. but literally you hold it in front of you and you just go through the steps. Right. Well, well, that is absolutely beautiful and excellent. I mean, we all know that right now we're going through difficult times and we could use some help, you know, to keep our marriages <laughs> together and to understand each other and actually to become better, a better person, not only for you, but for that other person, right? Now, absolutely. Danielle shared some really good tips. I'm going to actually be posting this video. And I'm also, um, once she sends me the email, I will make the links available to all those tests so you guys can figure out what type of personality you have versus your spouses and you can get along uh, much better from now forward. <laughs> um, now, we promised earlier on to our audience that you were going to talk about an app that helps you with your marriage. So tell us a little bit about the app, the name of the app, and how can people use it and find it? Oh, it's so fantastic. It's called the Gottman Card Dex. Okay. Gottman Card Dex. And what it is, because you know, we're so used to the routine of our conversations, the logistics of what needs to be done, that I love these card decks because it gives us different questions to ask each other. And building our, continuing to build our friendships is what keeps our marriage strong. So there's everything on what happens after you have a baby to ask each other questions. There's questions about developing your friendship called love maps. Mm -hmm. There's been um, questions for sex. He has the mild, medium, and hot. Oh my God, we didn't even talk about sex today. How dare me? Okay, we got to get him jumping another life here very soon. We just do talk sex. Okay. All right. So it's a, it's a fun app. Okay, awesome. Well, guys, I will make sure I'll share all that information with you. Danielle, it was absolutely awesome talking and connecting with you again. Thank you so much for all those amazing and beautiful tips to help people navigate the marriage and the challenges that we are all experiencing, especially during these times. And thank you so much for everyone that actually uh, joined us. It was amazing. It was beautiful. And we promise that we're going to stay connected. And actually... 
we better come back and talk about sex. <laughs> Thank you so much, Danielle. <laughs> Bye, guys. Want some more insight on how to strengthen your marriage? You can find new blogs posted every week and a new live monthly webinar. Just go to intentionalmarriages.net. That's intentionalmarriages with an S dot net, N-E-T. Thank you and stay intentional.